Good morning. Great to see all of you today. You can't talk about kids without eventually getting to the subject of trains. Think about all the books, toys, movies, and TV shows that have centered around trains. Of course, my t-shirt represents one of the classics, Thomas, the tank engine. Uh, and every Christmas, even though my kids are now 11 and my daughter as of 12.34 p.m. will be 10 today, uh, we watch every Christmas, this is the, oh, come on, this is the, there you go. There's some more modern ones, Chuggington and Dinosaur Train that my kids grew up on as well. But uh, we always read books to them uh, when they went to sleep. Uh, one of them that we always read was Steam Train, Dream Train. I don't know if you remember that book or not. And The Caboose Who Got Loose, which was always a fun one. But there is another one that we never read to our kids that is very popular called Snakes on a Train. I don't know about you, but that just doesn't sound like a very good book to read to your kids before they go to bed and expect them to be able to sleep, let alone the parents. You read that book to your kids and you start feeling something when you get in bed crawling up your leg and all of a sudden you start thinking of snakes and start dreaming of snakes. No, thank you. You can keep your snakes on a train or snakes on a plane or whatever you do there, okay? But you can't talk very long about kids' train books without talking about the little engine that could. I think we all know this, the story of the little engine. There was a bunch of cars, which by the way included clowns, which might be scarier than snakes in my opinion. But uh, these cars needed to get over the hill, but the engines didn't want to help or couldn't help. They were either too busy or too old or too important to help. And then along came this engine that could, the little engine that could. And they thought that she, yes it was a she that was the little engine that could, they thought that she was too small, but she got over the hill by saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It just sounds like a train in and of itself, doesn't it? It's perfect. Uh, but then, of course, after she gets over the hill, after all the hard work of getting after the hill, she says, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. And in many ways, it's a great story to teach our kids the value of positive thinking and determination and grit. But in other ways, it does feel this thought in our culture that we tend to teach our kids that you can do anything that you put your mind to. Just so to let you know, I'm not here to be a buzzkill on you or anything else, but you can't, you, you can't do anything you put your mind to, and your kids can't either. And I know, that's kind of a sad thought, isn't it? But it's true. If your kid is fully grown at four foot seven inches tall, no matter how hard they try or how hard they put their mind to it, they will not be a center in the NBA. It just will not happen, will it? If they are not naturally inclined to math, there's probably no way they will ever be a rocket scientist or even a rocket surgeon. And if they are completely tone deaf, there's no way they're going to make it on American Idol. Well, they might make it on the show themselves, but it won't be the good, the good version, right? I actually had a funeral uh, back in Illinois with a gal who made it on as one of the bad examples of, of American Idol. She wasn't the one who had passed, but she had asked the family if she could sing at the funeral. And I was sitting up on the, on the platform facing the crowd when she got up to sing, and I had to keep my hand over my face like this so that I wouldn't be laughing at the funeral because it was bad, okay? Uh, and the family, was, they were just looking right at me laughing and trying to get me to laugh. It was a bad thing. I do believe this, though. While your child, your grandkid, yourselves, you can't do anything that you put your mind to, I do believe this, and this is important. 
I do believe that you can do the one thing that God has called you to do. I believe that you can be the one person that God has created you to be. And that is more important than what you or I think we want to do, isn't it? And so there's this verse that is our scripture today that includes this following verse. This passage includes this following verse that sounds a little bit like the book that we just talked about. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. On the surface, it sounds an awful lot like the little engine that could, doesn't it? Instead of, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. With Christ I can, with Christ I can, with Christ I can, with Christ I can. It's got a nice ring to it. We've heard a lot of this verse used a lot with football players and baseball players and football players who became baseball players and pretty much any other situation that I can bring to mind. So what does this mean? That with Christ I can do all things. Does it mean that when I come to bat, I can hit the game-winning homer every time I'm in that situation? It says I can do all things. That every time I have the ball with the game-winning game shot on the line, that I'm going to hit that shot? Or that I can hit every note perfectly in every song that I sing? Those of you who have heard me sing, no, absolutely not. The tough thing is, is that we often have these very visible people who are very good at what they do, who use this verse to mean those things. And because they're really good at what they do, we think that, well, maybe that is the way to apply it in our lives. With Christ, I can do anything. But what does I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me really mean? It helps us to understand the context, which is always the key to understanding Scripture. But the book and the verses immediately around this passage tells us what it means to Paul. Let's remember, Paul is in prison. And if Paul thinks that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, then maybe he should put his mind to getting out of jail, right? That's what I would do if this verse means what a lot of us think that it might mean. It's like Shawshank Redemption right there in the Bible. You'd get right out. But obviously that's not what it means because Paul remains in prison and winds up dying for his faith because being killed for what he believed in. So let us ask this question this morning. What does it mean? What can I do through Christ who strengthens me? What in the world does this passage mean? Well, we're getting in Philippians 4 today, starting in verse 10. And as we go through this, a reminder that we're in this stewardship series called Unstoppable. And if you're a guest with us today, this is not something that we expect you to partake in. This is something that we're doing for the good and for the health of our church so that we can reach more people for Christ, so that we can be a healthier church moving forward. So what does it mean that I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? What is it that I can do? Well, in verse 10 of chapter 4 of Philippians, it says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So the first thing that we see here that we can do through Christ is that we can show concern. You and I can show concern for one another. This is a fundamental truth that we need to embrace as a church and that I believe that we do very well as a church, that we are good at showing concern for one another. That is a value of ours and one that we hope to keep, one that we hope to grow. 
I know that as we've been talking about our stewardship campaign, that this is a very important thing that we have been doing as well, that we recognize that we need to show concern in all areas of our lives, that we need to show concerns for each, concern for each other. And so as we show concern for each other as one of these things, what else does it mean that I can do all things through Christ? Well, verse 11, it goes on to say, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I'm not saying this for whatever, uh, let me say that again. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. The second thing that we see here, and we're getting to the primary heart of this text, is that I can be content in any circumstance. I can be content in any circumstance. That's a tough one, isn't it? Because let's be honest, there's been situations in my life where I have found myself in circumstances and where my contentment is more based on my circumstance instead of being transcendent of my circumstance. As long as everything's going okay, as long as I have what I want or what I need, I will be content. But that is simply not what we're looking at here. I can be content in any circumstance. And then really when we get to the heart of the matter is in Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Here's the secret sauce of being content. In every, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what it's talking about here, is that I can endure every circumstance. And so maybe it's not hitting the game-winning shot. Maybe it's you missed the game-winning shot, but you wind up being at peace with things because you recognize that this is bigger than basketball. Maybe it's not getting the raise at work, but it's having a spirit of contentment even if you don't get the raise or the promotion. Maybe it's not that you experience physical healing in your life, but that even though you have to endure a horrible disease, that you have contentment and peace and are able to be a blessing to others as a result. Church, this might not be as popular as I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but it is the heart of what it really means that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can find contentment and I can endure every circumstance. That is more valuable than getting whatever we want. Because this is finding Christ in our very moment of need. Paul continues in verse 14. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. We talked about last week how this Philippian church has been known for their generosity. And this is a clear sign of it here. Paul is writing them and thanking them for how generous they've been. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. 
Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. What he's saying is your gifts are nice, and that's great. They help me through. But what I want more than anything is for you to experience the blessing and joy of giving. And that's the same thing that we believe here at East Point. While we have our financial needs, while we want to be able to be healthy as a church, what we want more than anything else when it comes to giving is we want you to experience the joy of giving and the health that comes through giving. When you are generous, God does something in your hearts and in your life to bring you joy and contentment. And that is what we want for you. He says, I have received full payment and more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And so what the fourth thing that we see here is that I can do through Christ who strengthens me is that I can be radically generous. I can trust that God will provide for me. I can trust that God will do his work in the midst of my life. Why can I do that? Well, I think verse 19 is maybe the whole key to understanding this passage on generosity. It is this, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This is saying that I can trust that God will meet my every need. I can trust that God will meet every need that I have in my life. We've been encouraging you over the last several weeks here to go on this selfless giving journey. We recognize that growing in obedience to giving is something that is difficult to do. And so we've been encouraging you to take these four steps wherever you're at along the way. The first one is to give something. Just to start by being generous one time. The second one is to give something regularly. Become a weekly or a monthly giver in a way that shows that practice in your life. The third thing is to give a tithe, working your way up to that 10% mark that the Bible teaches. And the final thing is to give radically. That is that you can be radically generous with all that you have because you've seen how radically God has provided for you. And we've asked you to prayerfully consider giving in the following three ways. Next week, April 3rd, is our Commitment Sunday. And we've encouraged you to give courageously. That means that on the to next Sunday, that we're asking you to write the biggest check that you've ever given to a church before, or give the biggest gift online that you've ever given before to a church. The second one is to give consistently over the course of the next 25 months, which is how long our campaign lasts, to give weekly or to give monthly in a way that is consistent. We've talked about how those add up over time. If you give $100 a month, that winds up being $2,500 a month over the campaign. If you give $200, it winds up being $5,000 over the course of the campaign. And that's all the more math I can do in my head, so I'm going to stop right there. But give courageously, give consistently, and then give creatively. Last Sunday, we talked about how one of the men in our church is selling a pair of his Kobe Bryant sneakers for several hundred dollars and giving that and how cool that is to think about things that you don't use anymore that you could give for the kingdom of God. At this point, I'm going to invite my wife up to share. Kristen's going to come up here on stage because she's better looking than I am. 
and uh, you'll pay attention to her, all right? Amen to that, right? Uh, and, uh, but as we share, um, one of the things that we've recognized is that this doesn't always seem like the best timing. This doesn't feel like the best timing. I mean, you look at the gas prices right now, uh, and the best, you know, right now, it's like, man, you know, asking people to give at this point is difficult because everything's gone up. Food's gone up, everything else. Uh, but we just want to share with you that this, this isn't the best timing in our life either. Um, we've been through a lot this past year that Kristen's going to share a little bit more with you about what, we, what we've experienced, especially what she's experienced. Yeah, as uh, the past six months, many of you know, some of you don't, um, I have been both diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease and then ended up having my thyroid removed. And then after the pathology reports came back, it actually was thyroid cancer. Um, so I have also been through treatment for um, uh, the uh, radioactive iodine, and that was just in February. And so over the past six months, there's been a lot of you know, changes for me physically and my health. I am in the clear at this point, just I'm gonna wrap that up saying, I'm in the clear, my scans are, are fine, I have, there's, it's gone, um, so praise God for that. And, and honestly, I, I haven't shared a ton publicly because I just knew God had it, and I'm a medical professional too, so it's, I, I, I could go into way more detail than you really want, so, <laughs> so I usually just don't say a whole lot about it, but, um, Anyway, during this time, uh, gosh, just in February, after my iodine treatment, a radioactive iodine treatment, we started praying and talking about what we're going to give, and especially about what our biggest gift we've ever written, given a church. And as we decided on a number, guess what? Medical bills came due, and my job was part-time I have no benefits or PTO, and my hours started getting cut. So if I don't work, I don't get paid. And so we, we saw um, bills coming due, less income, but yet we know, I, and I love the, the picture that you had a couple of weeks ago in the sermon, because Tyler drew a, drew a car with a big rearview mirror, which wasn't quite the point. I think kind of, but not really. But like when we look in that rearview mirror of how God has worked in our life and how he's been faithful, like, we know that we can go forward because of how he's been faithful, and we look forward to see, we look forward to see how he's going to do this, because, I mean, that sick feeling in your stomach when you make a commitment, and you don't even know where it's going to come from, and I know God's got us, and that's, that's what we can trust on. Yeah, so um, we, uh, I don't always feel comfortable sharing this. This isn't something that we share um, to brag on anything other than God, but uh, we felt moved to increase our giving by three quarters over what we give now. And by three quarters, I don't mean 75 cents, um, but to increase, increase what we give now by 75%, not to 75%, we're not giving 75%, I don't have that much faith yet. Um, um, but, um, but that's something that we believe that we're called to this church for, this, for such a time as this. Um, and that uh, God is doing a great work in this church, and this is truly our only God can moment together. Um, and so, yeah, we don't, and that's the thing, like, we don't know how we're going to do that quite yet. We don't know how we're going to write that check every month. Um, we've got some cushion in there, and we've got a big gift that we'll give up front that's basically our replacement fund for our cars, because uh, we don't want to be buying a used car right now anyway, but as expensive as they are, so I just removed that temptation, didn't it? Um, but... Um, 
But yeah, so um, as we do that, like Kristen said, looking back in our rearview mirror, we were doing that because God's been faithful to us. Uh, and a lot of you don't know this story, but um, uh, I didn't meet Kristen until I was 26, 27, somewhere in there, 26. We got married when I was 27. When I was 24, we went through a stewardship campaign at the church I was serving. I was the lead pastor. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but God was just blowing the doors off the church. We ran out of space and our church in this little town, Mason City, Illinois, population 2,300 people. We had people from all over the area coming to that church. God was just doing a deep work, and we needed a new building. We needed a new space. Uh, and so we took a step of faith, bought, bought like 18 acres on the edge of town, a lot like you guys did here at East Point uh, some 20 years ago. Uh, and when we made that step of faith, um, I was leading the stewardship campaign, and I was already tithing. Uh, and uh, I had made uh, up in my mind that I was going to give uh, half again that amount, which was like uh, $7,500 over the next three years. I was making like $35,000 a year. wasn't making great money or anything else, but even though I was in grad school, I said, man, I think I can do that $7,500 over three years. And then I was up leading a campaign uh, like we're going to do next week, and as we were giving the commitments, and as I was just trying to explain the commitments, I felt like God laid on my heart, Dustin, I don't want you to give 7500 I want you to give 15000 over the next three years. And literally, I was, like Kristen said, I had that feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, this is going to make me sick. And I was up there, like, shaking as I'm trying to lead, and people were like, what is wrong with Dustin? Uh, and uh, it was just that God hit me in that moment with, no, Dustin, I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to take a, a step of faith that requires you to depend upon me. I didn't know Kristen at the time, but about that same time... About that same time, I was asking my dad for advice. Um, I was thinking about buying a house. Um, I'd been renting, and rent, of course, is, you know, was going up and up and up, and I didn't want to be putting my money into nothing. I wanted to build some equity. So my wisest financial advisor in my life... It's my dad. I did warn him I was going to talk about him. Um, and he said, no, you shouldn't buy that house. You, you know, you're single. You know, how are you going to pay for it? What's going to happen? And I'm like, well, guess what I did? I bought the house. Um, and dad was then later glad that I did, of course. Um, but as uh, we met then, so this was the same time he was making this decision about his commitment uh, at the church. She bought the, yeah, she I, bought bought the this, house. I bought the house at the same time. And then two years later or so, when two and a half years later, I guess it was when we met, um, I told him, I said, I have a, something to tell you. I do have this house, but I'm going to, I'll make a little bit of money on it when we do sell it. Yeah. And when, when, you know, when you're dating a girl and engaged to a girl that lives in Vegas and she says, I got something I need to tell you, um, <laughs> you know, you get a little bit, you get a little worried. Um, but uh, but she, said, she said that to me. She said, I think we're going to make a little bit of money on this house. I said, oh, great. Well, hopefully that'll pay for the honeymoon or something like that. Um, and she wound up... I ended up clearing about 150000 And if you do the math, what's 10% of that? Same time that we were... He was... Well, I'll yeah. let him tell that part of the story. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so she cleared 150000 on the house, which was 10 times what I had pledged three years earlier, or just almost three years earlier. Uh, and so one of the first things we did once we got married, not the first thing we did once we got married, but one of the first things we did once we got married um, was we, uh, we wrote a check, and in one week we gave $15,000 to tithe on the, on the house. And so what I was worried about, and here's why we share this story, what I was worried about giving over the course of three years, um, Kristen and I were able to give together in one day. 
Um, and that's just all praise and glory to God. And so when we stand up here and say we're taking a huge step of faith, um, we're looking in that rearview mirror and we're saying the only way we're doing that is because we know that God's been faithful. And so we're up here today telling you that as God lays something on your heart and as it's scary and as it's fearful, I'm telling you, God will be faithful. God will provide for you. And I, I'm not telling you he's going to give you, you know, a tenfold you know, increase in your finances. He might choose to do that. I'm not telling you you're going to get a raise at work. You might get that. That would be amazing. But I'm telling you that you, at the very least and at the very most, will receive contentment. Um, God will give you peace as you take a step of faith. And that is worth more than any amount of money that you can put in a bank account. Uh, when God did that for us in our lives, he did that, I believe, because he wanted to set... Uh, on, us on a course to take steps of faith in the future. And I know for sure that if God hadn't done that in our lives through that situation, I highly doubt that we would have been willing to go and plant a church, which meant pretty much laying down everything that we had and moving across state lines, quitting both jobs that we had in order to do it. Um, but we were able to do that. Um, God's got you on this journey. He's going to grow you through it. Um, so uh, thank you, Kristen, for sharing. I should... Uh, I should probably have her share more often, uh, but, uh, but she does such a great job, and we're thankful. Um, so uh, I want to just, as we wrap up today, uh, when you came in today, uh, you should have received a brochure uh, that's printed off with Unstoppable on the front. If you didn't receive that, we'll have people with them on the way out. Uh, and this is just a brochure that guides you through some of the steps of the campaign, some of what we're looking to do with the funds that we raise. And then in the back, there's also these amazing Only God Can stories that you've been hearing about. There's several of them on there, and you can click on the QR code to go and read even more about them. Take a look at this this week. Read through it. Pray through it. Uh, look through it with you. If you have a significant other family member, look through it. Also in there was this piece of paper that is our uh, Unstoppable Family Discussion Guide. Uh, and this discussion guide is one that you can take a look at and that you can uh, go through with your family. If you have kids, we encourage you to in in invite them on this too. Our kids are doing amazing things, so we're going to share some of those things next week uh, by, by doing some fundraisers and stuff like that, so they're participating. If you go out in the lobby, you'll even see uh, by the cafe area that there are uh, some drawings that they have. They made some dream boards with what we could do uh, with, uh, with Only God Can. Uh, and that's really cool to see that we want this to be a discipleship initiative, not just a fundraising initiative. Uh, and then finally, in an envelope there, there is a gift card, a commitment card that we're going to be collecting next week. And we ask you to take that home, pray about it, uh, and talk about it, and to see what, uh, what you'll be able to do. Uh, on one side, there's the, different, uh, there's the different charts on there with what things do to add up over 25 months. But then on the commitment card side, you'll see down at the bottom, there's three different boxes there, actually four. Uh, but the th first one is the kickoff gift. That's the biggest gift that you've ever given to a church. That's what we're asking you to do at that kickoff gift. The second one is my commitment. That is over 25 months. That's over and above your current giving. So we're not asking you to write down what you're currently giving, but what you, what you can give over and above that, um, as that will be important for us to be able to determine the amounts of the campaign. Uh, and then finally, the non-cash gifts. If you are planning on selling something or you have stock or something like that, that uh, you're selling, uh, that is what you can put down in there. And then if you have anything down here for notes for us, you can do that. And then the total, that's where you add it all up. Uh, and so that's what we're asking you to do this coming Sunday. We'll have more commitment cards available next Sunday if you happen to forget yours. But that is something that we invite you on in this journey together. Uh, and one final thing as I wrap up the message, 
uh, this coming Friday and Saturday, starting at 6 p.m. Friday night, we're doing a 24-hour fast as we uh, wrap up this uh, Unstoppable Stewardship Initiative. And we're inviting you to, uh, to fast with us. We actually have some dedicated times of prayer that are out on a board in the, in the foyer out here. If you'd like to take a look at that and sign up for a half-hour time slot, we're not going to be praying together here at the church or even on Zoom at that time. It's just going to be praying individually where you're at. Uh, you can take a half-hour time there. Uh, and then at 5 p.m. on Saturday, on 5 p.m. this coming Saturday, we will have a prayer time here at the church collectively out in the foyer uh, or out in the uh, atrium. Uh, and uh, as we have that time of prayer, we invite you to bring a dish to share because at 6 o'clock we'll be breaking the fast together, which after, a half hour, or after an hour of praying with all that good-smelling food, we'll all be plenty hungry uh, to break that fast together. So we invite you to come and join us then. But as we, as we move forward towards this commitment, let me, let me just pray for us and ask that God uh, does great work in our church through this season, okay? Father, we've seen your story through Paul about how you were faithful to meet his needs. Whether he was in plenty or in want, Lord, we recognize that you met his needs even in a prison cell. And Lord, we recognize that you can meet our needs and that you can give us that contentment that we so eagerly long for and desire. Lord, do a great work in our hearts now as we serve you. Help us to hear your voice. I pray that you lay on each one of our hearts the amount that you would have us to give. But Lord, I pray that it would be more than just an amount here, Lord, but this would be a step of faith for us, that you would grow our faith in significant ways so that we can love you, so that we can serve you, so that we can be more effective in your kingdom service. Lord, we know that you've got great plans for this church, and so we ask that you make this our collective only God can moment, where we come together and where we start a new course for our church, where we set a new course for our church, where we see many people come to you as a result, and where we're able to impact our community with the eternal hope of Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. One more announcement I have for you today as we wrap up the service. We have a men's breakfast coming up on Saturday, April 9th. Uh, that's going to be at 8 a.m. Saturday, April 9th. Mark your calendars, men, at 8 a.m. It's a great breakfast. We always eat well. Uh, we come out of there. You won't even need lunch after that. Uh, it's a great time, so mark your calendars for that. Would you stand with me as we conclude the service uh, and allow me to bless you? Whether you are in plenty or in want, whether you are in times of hardship or whether you are in times of great fruitfulness, may you receive the contentment of Christ on your lives. And just as Paul found contentment in a jail cell, may you find contentment wherever you are at for the glory of God. Amen. Go in peace.